LL Nation was goody for the Culture Friday right here. Lucky Lucky Podcast. I am your guy, Sean Davis at SD2Mikes. The original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. As always, brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. That's right. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com and get some of that premium American whiskey only at AnoraWhiskey.com. Had to rep the geek today, Fashion Geek, the big brand out of Chicago. Shout out to my guys, Alonzo Jackson, and his uh, his big little brother uh, doing great things. You know, bro, last night's show, you know, we got another T-shirt. I don't know if you know that, right? Another one? Yeah. We're going to have to put it was Dale on the front of a T-shirt, bro. <laughs> we got to. We got to. The public is asking for it. It is for the Culture Friday. We got somebody to put on the petty train a little bit later in the show. We're going to get into Marcus Freeman and how he anticipated things that are happening right now. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Tommy Reese and how the spotlight is even hotter on him because we really didn't get into the Jamarcus Shepard uh, situation last night in the podcast. We talked about Mike Elston. Once again, just to uh, recap, bring people up to speed. If you haven't known or you missed it or just been asleep for the last 24 hours, Mike Elston has departed Notre Dame as a defensive line coach, has chosen to go to his alma mater, Michigan, at the same position. Um, Michigan lost their D-line coach to USC, which got the uh, dominoes rolling. And look, ultimately, he wants to be a defensive coordinator. And I guess the path, which is strange because maybe he sees a path at Michigan. Um, I know that defensive coordinator is a, a an NFL guy that more than likely will be going back to the NFL probably in another year or two. So that probably was the sales pitch. Maybe Jim Harbaugh promised Mike Elston that he would be next in line uh, at Michigan. He wasn't going to get that promise at Notre Dame. He didn't get that promise when he decided to come back after he flew down to Baton Rouge and met with Brian Kelly and ultimately came back and said he wanted to be at Notre Dame. You know, last night I stated that, you know, I much preferred that I would have preferred for him to make the commitment if he was committing to come back, to stay committed. But for him to go to his alma mater, he still had to be feeling a certain way. Now, you can slice it up or cover it up in my opinion mike elston still felt a certain way and i said this last night i'll continue to say it i don't blame him for the fiesta bowl like i don't blame him for the fiesta i just don't people want to blame him people want to blame marcus freeman do you give him credit for the first half the defense looked pretty good in the first half you know so that's not his fault. You know, Marcus Freeman, I observed him during practices. I observed him during the Fiesta Bowl, made the decision that he wasn't the guy to be the defensive coordinator. And I mean, that was a real tryout, though. It was. It was a tryout for him, and, and Dell Alexander got the same tryout, the absolute same tryout. So, look, my thing right now is that the Notre Dame fan base really needs to relax. And this is why they need to relax. And we didn't get to this last night. Mike Elston 
was a great recruiter on a lazy staff. Let's just keep it a buck. So he really stood out. And I'm not trying to take anything away from what Mike Elston did. But let's be real. Let's keep it a thou. He was a great recruiter on a lazy staff. So in comparison to everybody else on the staff, he looked great. Did great things. Proof is in the pudding. The guys he put into the NFL developed. We get that. The culture has changed, my man. There was no need for Mike Elston to be the best recruiter on the staff anymore. Marcus Freeman already told you he's going to be the best recruiter. I'm the guy. I'm the lead recruiter. Nobody's going to out-recruit me on my staff. So the culture has changed. So now, I don't care who's on the coaching staff. They're going to be held accountable based upon what the head guy is doing. That's a totally different. So now when you view it, that's totally different. That's totally different. And I venture to say from a brand standpoint, if Mike Elson is looking at it from a brand standpoint, he's saying, yo, I looked really great as a recruiter on the previous staff because none of them really did anything. Maybe he looked around and said, you know what? The rest of these guys are really getting it in. Marcus Freeman is calling the guys on the defensive line just as much as me man maybe it's time for me to go to michigan improve my brand get a better shot at defensive coordinator and from that standpoint, yeah that's i mean that's really what it came down to he yeah. wanted to take that next step yeah he thought it would be somewhere where his guys were at lsu potentially or maybe even home at notre dame but the, the football heavens opened up still and allowed him to go back to his alma mater at the right time. Uh, if that wasn't the case, I think he would just still be at Notre Dame. I think he would just have to suck it up for another year going into year 13. But, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. Absolutely. I think he got exactly what he wanted. He just didn't know it. And he gets to be back at his alma mater at the position he wanted. So, um, this is, like you said, it's a chance to prove his brand that, you know, maybe we made a mistake. But I think out of any coach that we're evaluating to take that D.C. job at Notre Dame, he was the 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 most in the lead because he had the easiest chance of actually getting an opportunity to try it out, you know, get a test run of it. The other coaches, we just got to interview. So I think it's important that, Marcus Freeman continues his recruitment, not only on the players, but the coaching staff. I think getting the Laronitis out there, I think uh, getting the heat stand and, and and finding his D coordinator is his next step. But being the lead recruiter embodies also being a, a staff recruiter as well or having a huge hand in it. And I think he's doing a good job on both ends and giving time. We haven't even started our spring workouts yet. Well, I'll tell you this. You want to talk about what Marcus Freeman has done being a lead recruiter? Let's just read the tea leaves a little bit. It was well known that a certain receiver that's high on the 2023 board was uh, leaning heavily, heavily towards the school in Columbus. I'm talking about a heavy lean, like possible commitment. Mm. Then reports come out leaked by people in his camp 
that yo marcus freeman is talk calling me every day first of all it's not even a defensive dude this is an offensive dude and all of a sudden we see a tweet last week saying my recruitment is 100 wide open that's that mf effect that's right he's an mf you know what i mean in, in the truest sense of the words, he know how to get it done, man. You know, get it done. Like, make up that gap. Let him know. You know, you need to rethink this. So that's the type of impact that he's making. As I said before, you know, Mike Elson looked around and was like, you know, I'm no longer going to be the big dog in this building from a recruiting standpoint. That was his claim to fame. Yeah. So it's like, man. I'm not going to be the big dog. I'm not getting the D.C. job. Michigan wants me, and they want to offer me more money. That's my alma mater. Cool. I'm going to take that. I'm going to go down the street. Yeah, I'll take that. And, you know, here's a super chat. It's a great question from Patrick Barnes. Thanks for tapping in, Pete. We appreciate you, my dude. Do you think we'll lose those stud 2023 defensive line recruits? I'm sure Ellison will go after them. It works two ways, right? Yeah, he definitely will have an influence on it, but as a DC, he's thinking everybody, so he's trying to pull on a little bit of everything, maybe even some of the linebacker commits. I just think to also that his effect personally, I don't think weighs as much on the recruits as much as uh, Lincoln Riley does on his recruits or Marcus Freeman on his recruits. Mm-hmm. So I do think we'll have some retention. If we lose one or two, that's okay because I think the 2023 class is very strong all around. So um, losing one or two may happen. It's a long time between now and then. Yeah. But uh, right now, it's, it's looking real nice. So so can we keep it a thou like we always do, bro? Can we uh, spin it different? So you talk about Mike Elson moving on. And today's show is all about really explaining how Marcus Freeman anticipated all of this happening, right? He brings his boy Mike Mickens with him when he comes in to take the D.C. job. Then he brings some of his other guys to be involved with the recruiting staff. He goes after... He's got Brian Hartline. He really wanted Brian Hartline to come in. But Brian Hartline wouldn't come over unless he was getting some type of co-OC title. It's one of the main reasons Jamarcus Shepard is at Washington when he really wanted to be the wide receiver coach at Notre Dame. We'll get into that later. So... You move on from that and you come to understand that Marcus Freeman had to accept two coaches when he took the job. Marcus Freeman didn't get the opportunity to bring in his own crew. And I'm not saying that there's an issue. I'm not saying that Marcus Freeman doesn't like the two coaches he had to accept. I think Jack Swarbrick did a great job in solidifying Mike Elston and Tommy Reeves being here to stabilize what was a very difficult situation when it comes to the football program and also the brand of Notre Dame, the way Brian Kelly voted. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, you got to think. We just said that Elson was trying to bounce. I think Tommy was the real piece that had to stay. I think Elston had a had a had a safety net here. Yeah, but Tommy was the piece that he had to bring on no matter what. Yeah. So, Marcus Freeman. I don't know if people realize this. Marcus Freeman began to surround himself with people he could trust. 100%. And I saw it from the beginning. Like, James Laurinaitis isn't just that Notre Dame to coach linebackers or being an analyst. Somebody he could trust. That's his right hand man. He just right hand man. Right? It was never going to be Elston. That wasn't going to be his right hand man. Tommy was. Elston wanted his job. You know, Elston yeah. wanted his job. You know yeah. I mean? Laurinaitis and Mickens, those. Those are his dudes. Like, that's who he trusts completely. And, and keep it a buck. Like, <laughs> I, I want to paint this picture, man, because this is very natural. And I hope everybody understands this. Doesn't mean that there's a problem at all. Doesn't mean that he doesn't like anybody. But when you have to accept something that you might, my question is, would he have retained either one if he had the opportunity? If he really wanted Brian Hartline, and it would have been been between Brian Hartline and Tommy Reese, who's to say he wouldn't have chosen Brian Hartline? Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's right? to say? We don't know. Doesn't nobody mean nobody If Tommy. it was up to him, we don't. We can't. We never seen him do. We never seen him coach before. We don't know. We don't know. Who's to say he would have st stuck with Mike Elston at D-line coach? We don't know. We don't know. But the situation that was given to him was, look, Mike Elston is D-line coach. Tommy Reeves is the OC. Now, this is my thing, and we talked about this offline, and this is where it becomes a problem. I'm going to tell you a story, my brother. Chris Ballard is the GM of the Indianapolis Colts right now, I believe. Great track record from a draft standpoint. Well, Chris Ballard was actually up for the GM job for the Chicago Bears a few years back at the same time Phil Emery was up for the job. And Chris Ballard walked into Hallis Hall, sat down in his interview, and began to keep it 100 with the Chicago Bears and talked about how they needed to change things and talked about who didn't need to be connected to the football operations and how they're viewed around the league and how they need to change perceptions. In the middle of his interview, I think five minutes in, George McCaskey stopped the interview and told him thank you. You know why? Because sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. And they will much rather stay in their own stink than to hear somebody tell them the unadulterated truth about themselves and how things need to change. And where are the Bears today? Still in the bottom of the NFL, struggling, going through another GM search. Two GMs later. So my thing is, and I'll let you ride on this, 
Offensively, I think Notre Dame needs to be open to some changes. I think Notre Dame needs to be open to opening it up. They need to get some more use. As C.J. Williams said, it's a great university if you want to go. It's a great offense if you're a running back. It's a great offense if you're an offensive lineman. But if you're a wide receiver, can you really see yourself developing in that offense? That's something you have to be honest about. And when Jamarcus Shepard ends up at another school when he desperately wanted the job at wide receiver coach. And rumors are that he didn't end up getting the position possibly because he came in a little bit too hot with new ideas and that might not have been received the right way. I got a problem with that. I got a problem with that. And we already have put the spotlight on one Tommy Reeves on this podcast. Like, no, you, you don't you don't escape. Like what has happened in that quarterback room and what has happened in that wide receiver room and the lack of production and creativity, that falls on you. Now, we didn't expect you to come out and allow Jack Cone to throw the ball as many times as you did in the Fiesta Bowl. But if we're going to talk about Mike Elston and his lack of adjustments, and you might as well talk about Tommy Reeves and his lack of adjustments to that offense didn't score any points in the second half up until late in the fourth quarter. So to hear stuff like that, it bothers me, bro. It really bothers me. Because I hope, I hope as a staff, we don't think it's all good offensively. I really, I really don't think or I hope. They don't think, okay, Harry's here. So now everything is changed and everything is solved offensively. I don't, I don't know. I just, yes, it's more of a control thing. You know, I think it's just what's interesting is that we've never had Notre Dame in 12 years not have the head coach be over the offense in some way either. You know, I think Marcus Freeman coming in, being a defensive guy, being the lead recruiter, he's kind of spread as it is. And I doubt that he's super focused on the the scheme of what the offense is doing. I know he's got a hand at recruiting. That's one thing. But the scheme, I think he's trusting Tommy with it. I think what he showed in the Fiesta Bowl is something of more of an extreme version of probably what we, we don't really want. Yeah. And it looked a little more desperate than I felt like it needed to be, considering we were more talented than this team. And I felt like we could have controlled the game more, having the ball with the running backs that we think that are going to be pretty good in the near future. You know, I think especially if we're considering the offense having to run the ball a good amount in the in the Ohio State game, I would think that we could run against Oklahoma State uh, enough to feel good going into the next year. But I mean, throwing that many times in the game with a guy who's not coming back yeah. to receivers that, you know, I think were surprised by the game plan itself. It just it just is interesting because how do you even suspect what he's going to do going into the Ohio State game? Maybe it was a ploy to where 
Jim Knowles will try to watch his game from the Fiesta Bowl and try to copy some things, and we won't throw the ball 68 times. So he probably has to throw that film away in a sense, you know, which is could be a strategy. You know, it could be a strategy, which if he's thinking 5D chess like that, then, you know, we on the same page. But I do think in a, in a disservice way, it was an opportunity that you could have had Tyler in the game. Uh, Logan did could have had his confidence more instead of, you know, all the guys that complained on social media, those guys could have probably uh, fared better in a, in a better called game. But Tommy's definitely on the hot seat in my opinion, because of the schedule, you don't, you don't have a North Carolina state, A&T community college on the first game or a Fordham or something like that. You have a legitimate, legitimate championship team. So, you know, by nature, you, you're going to be on the spotlight, which is what the Notre Dame job is in any respect. But you a young offensive coordinator with a lot of power, which is, you know, and it's kind of out of the head coach's hands right now in this first year. He can't really touch you. Right. So it's like we, we need, we need something better to expect out of that quarterback room. And right now, you know, you got all these stories about this quarterback competition with those guys, and that's just <laughs> that's just average Joes competing against each other, you know. So we need to see something better. And you know what I've been accused of, right? He loves you. you love playing the victim like you was accused of this. No, no, they no, put no, you no, in no, the phone. No. I, I play up on it because I'm not going to stop being honest about what I've seen. That's not going to stop. Like, I have not seen enough evidence to declare that certain people are about to step on the field and the horseshoe and light it up. Like, you talk about hope all you want to. I have not seen enough to say we, hope. Oh, yeah, I think he's going to step onto the horseshoe and throw for 300 yards. I haven't seen it. But you got people in the chat saying, like, oh, Oklahoma State had a tough defense. Look, we were a better talented offense than Oklahoma State. And a perfect example is even if they were tough, look at Ohio, uh, Alabama and Georgia. Both of those D-lines were tough. Both of them were stopping the run in the first. But what happens when you stay with it and you trust your talent, which we have been accused of not having talent, and but if you down. Talent, and yeah. you stay with it, the run's going to open up. Yes. We didn't even try. Yeah. We, just, we just read the paper and was like, oh, they're supposed to be a top defense stop the run. Well, shit, I guess we just we just one-dimensional now. Without even sticking, like, 68 passes shows you wasn't committed. Yep. So that's not a good excuse that they were tough. Yeah, that's a ball game. Of course they're a good team. Right. <laughs> of course they're a good team. But that don't mean we don't try or get out of character. And that was an out-of-character game. But – um. Like you said, I'm not expecting Tyler to throw 300 yards against Ohio State first game. I mean, what like he's, what tells you that? Because with, with they've been using him like he's a spare receiver, you know, just throwing him at Wildcat. And, and him- this is the crazy thing, bro. The same people that sit up here and say Tyler's going to come out and be great are the same people asking us if we should go after Jackson Dart in the portal. It's the same people. Like, yo, Tyler's going to be dope. I really like Tyler. Man, should we go after Jackson Dart in the portal? It's like, come on, man. 
if anything, we need, if, any, if we're going to bring a quarterback in, we need to bring one that is no debating on who's going to play. Right. You need to bring a guy that's clearly underneath Tyler or bring a guy that's clearly over over Tyler that can he can learn from, whatever. And you let's be honest, in, let's stop acting like the quarterback room can't be upgraded. That's what's killing me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the quarterback room is in such a great spot that it can't be upgraded. Like we yeah, just we just putting photocopy quarterbacks in there to the point where every year we're getting who's going to be the guy up into the first game, and then it's like, damn, we can't score a lot of points on offense. So it's like, I think if you're going to run with Tyler, like we've been inconsistent on even knowing. You know, we calling guys, not giving guys calls, saying we like them, saying it's not enough. I think it's a lot to trust for a guy that's still young in the offensive coordinating game. I played with Tommy, so he can't – it ain't like he's been coaching for decades, you know what I mean? So I know the young coaching trend is up there, and he has a lot of coaching background experience. It's just a tough job without having the help that Marcus Freeman is putting around himself. Why is Tommy not calling – you know, one of his homies to be like, hey, just be my right-hand guy. You know, he's, he's running it more like Game of Thrones, top-down, you know, North Korea style. So it'd just be interesting to see um, how it develops going into spring. Well, he wants to do everything. It's like, yo, where's the proof? Where's the proof? Show me where you have either recruited or made a quarterback better at Notre Dame. Show me the proof. Yeah, you jumping on the private jet. Bring a five star back on the private jet. Show me the proof. Like, how am I supposed to? How am I supposed to trust that you're going to do the right thing this spring and this summer to give me a product at quarterback in the horseshoe that I can say, you know what? That's what's up. Show it to me. Where's the proof? It hasn't come in development. It has not come in recruitment. And we pulling guys off the street. And we pulling guys off the street, making their dreams come true, and then throwing 68 passes with them. And they've never done that. And then to hear, no, we don't need fresh ideas. We're good. Word? That's what, word? Really? Come on, man. Notre Dame's not at that point. We need all of the advancements, all of the ideas, all of the new mercies, whatever you want to call it. At least hear it. You know, we ain't right. saying you got to take it. it we just being like, don't say, don't say we don't need them. You know, no. don't say like we just scoring 50 points a game. You know, like we just got to crack. We cracked the code. You know, let just you said we don't need them. Like we really got secret weapons on the team. If Nick Saban can evolve, this yeah. is the GOAT. This is the GOAT. The GOAT. If Nick Saban can take advancements and fresh ideas from younger coaches, less experienced coaches, then God darn it. We can too. We can too. God dang it. Because what's going on? I mean, you know, what's, what's the – if it's, I think it's because it's been such a bunch of Chiefs, no Indians calling the play and running the show 
it kind of probably feels good, you know, to be like, all right, there's one voice. Get my stuff in. We can run with it. And that's why I think Marcus Freeman's kind of like, all right, we're going to let it rock. But that first game, we on your ass. You know what I mean? Because it's just not a lot of room for mistakes so early. You know what I mean? And I think Man. that you got to come at least with a great effort. <laughs> at least. It's got to be Ohio State had to pull out all the stops to beat us or we just was fighting, fighting, fighting to the end. You know, it can't be something where we getting embarrassed, you know what I mean, or we just look totally out of the way, you know. So I think it's just going to take time. But then again, if we trust in the talent that we got, it's just it's interesting after last night hearing that internally you don't feel like you got it speculating that we don't got it makes it even worse looky lefty podcast it's for the culture friday so it's a feel-good friday right now we have the poll up on the youtube page battle of the bangers today battle of the bangers up on the youtube page the poll dmx get at me dog or tupac ambitions as a rider let me know who you got in the chat or go to the youtube page check out the poll right there and vote for the culture friday battle of the bangers get at me dog dmx or tupac ambitions as a rider let us know we'll talk about some more culture right after we get on the petty train or put somebody on the petty train coming up towards the end of the show let me get a couple of these super chats in bro uh, Anthony K. Shea, thank you so much for the super chat. We appreciate you. There's a couple more that I missed. Make sure I get them. Oh, I see you talking about this. Um, we talked about this a little bit last night. Jim Leonard isn't coming to Notre Dame. He has no reason to come to Notre Dame. Cushy job, next head coach at his alma mater. He's yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, to leave a situation going to a, a, a pressure cooker like Notre Dame is. You know, yeah. it's not no. It's a dream job, but if you chasing stuff like that, you know. Yeah, everybody doesn't view it the same. Demetrius Rex, appreciate you for the super chat. The line could not run block at all during the Fiesta Bowl. No push at all. The short pass game essentially acted as extended handoffs. Can't blame Tommy for that. His hands were tied. That's you, bro. <laughs> 68 attempts doesn't tell me your hands are tied. It just doesn't know. If we got 68 attempts and we only got 75 plays in the game or something like what is that? You know, that so yeah, there were times where we couldn't run, but I think of like I said, if we're a great team, like I believe we are. One, I think we were more talented than Oklahoma State in general. So secondly, if you look at the Alabama Georgia game, both of those D lines were great. That didn't stop them from running. And at both points, both D lines broke where the running back was getting big yards on both sides. So I think it's just about a commitment to it that we didn't have or didn't show enough of 
And we was giving Oklahoma State the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they didn't have a defense coordinator there, so we acted like, you know, they just had 20 men in the box. And it was like, all right, let's use Jack Cone, which is not the 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 only answer I felt like we were acting like we had to win us the game, essentially. Yeah. You're saying that trusting Jack Cone to win us the game was the solution, and that's the only thing we had. I don't think that's true because I felt like we were a more talented team. Now, if we're playing Ohio State, Georgia, or Alabama, I mean, I get it. You know, I get it. If you don't have Kyron, I mean, I really get it. <laughs> but this ain't that. So that's how I feel about it. It's not about you have to at least make an attempt and don't give up on it. I think that's what you're saying. Like, you have to at least give the illusion that you will run instead of just allowing the defense to say, oh, they're not going to run, and now they can just go ahead and attack your passing game, which was how you got out in front. Yeah, and you fall in love with it because it's working, because the team's not that good you're playing. Like, you know what I mean? We have 500 yards doing things that we're not even used to doing because everything is open. It's like you at the candy shop, and you can have anything in the candy shop. We just killing the peppermints, killing the Twizzlers, not paying no attention to the chocolate over here. We just killing the candy, but we got the whole store to us. So, yeah, we just got full off of one thing to turn into empty calories, got a stomachache. Jay Clampin Investments, thank you for the super chat. Centerville, Ohio, Centerville, Ohio, tapping in. Yeah, yeah. All tonight checking in. Dude, we cannot run the ball at all in the bowl game. Give Tommy a year without BK. You know what? I'll, I'm gonna bookmark that. If it doesn't get, if doesn't get it done, he can get an F. He can get the F on like the rest of BK's Cracker Jack coaching buddies. Look, man. There is no separation from Tommy and, and Brian Kelly. That's his. That's the very that's foundation that's of how he views football. Like, that's don't get it boy. twisted. Don't get that, it twisted. Yeah, that's his boy. That's his boy. We, but we're, fans are expecting, okay, Brian Kelly's gone all of a sudden. We're about to see a totally different Tommy. Tommy is who he is at the core. And, yes, he can evolve and add some things. But you better believe running the ball, especially with Harry he stand back, is going to be at the forefront of this offense. Yeah, one hundred percent, and and it's okay. You know, I think, like you said, give him a chance without BK. We, I mean, hopefully it's not like the Fiesta Bowl, but he's gonna have to, you know, in himself. I think he's more of a balanced play caller in general, which is why I'm so surprised that we didn't commit more to the run because he's usually about 50-50, yeah. especially when we got Kyron back there. But yeah, and I think it'll change once he gets a better picture of who's popping through the spring and the fall camp, who's getting better. So it's really up in the air, which is the frustrating part because in the Fiesta Bowl was such an outlier that you can't even really guesstimate who's he going to go to, even the quarterback. And that's, you know, Ohio State knows they're starting 11 in as some aspect. We can't name our starting 11. Even the five guys up front, we can't put them in the right place just yet. We don't know if Blake Fisher gonna be on this side. We don't know if Josh Lett. I think the tackles are solidified. 
I think the tackles are pretty much in stone. Yeah, the tackle may be in stone, but that the other players in the in the beef or interior is still in, in question. Well, I mean, Patterson is going to be your center. Right, guards, right. Those, I mean, Christophe probably ends up being one of the guards, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying because it, and then it depends on how Harry sees it. Exactly, you know, Coach Heastan's putting his spin on everything. So Harry, Harry we might want to put Blake and, and and Joe Alt next to each other. And he might, he might even, yeah, he, he might even yeah, put to be like, we're gonna be, right? We're gonna be strong on the left side, Blake. You can play guard. I'm right. gonna teach you, you know, just because right. you're young, whatever. Because he stands technique, it takes some time to learn. You just not, you know, even Ronnie sat a year. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's just important that that develops on his own, just getting that chemistry, which it takes some time. Yeah. And then on top of that, you talking about you don't know who your quarterback is, you don't know what the starting outside receivers are looking like you don't know how you fit in styles in as much because he was doing some good things it's a lot of questions to where ohio state doesn't have to answer a lot of questions on there now they got to answer questions defensively and and getting you know that together but offensively they don't need a lot of questions which is what we have to find out in the first game i don't even think we'll see it much in the spring game considering I don't know if we'll find a commitment to either guy. You know what I mean? Uh, let's see. Uh, Demetrius Rex had a question. You guys wanted competition to elevate Tyler. Now you're faulting people for wanting more competition with Dark. First of all, that's not true. This podcast was the first and only podcast that said start Tyler Buckner last year. Let him play. We wouldn't even be talking like this. We wouldn't we, be in this position, and we wouldn't be talking about it. And there should be no competition. If he's all this talk we've heard from the goo, if he's really that dude, there's no need for Jackson Dark. So either you're selling false flagging and selling wolf tickets, or Something else needs to happen. It's one or the other. And that's what we said. You either bring a guy that's clearly better. Clearly better. Or bring a guy that's clearly not as good or a young guy yeah. that can push him or something. But you bring in guys that are like, you know, you can just close your eyes and pick one and you get the same result. You're not giving nothing that's benefiting the room. You're just crowding the room with dudes. And the truth of the matter is, and people might not like this, if you look at the tape, of both of them this year, you would say that Jackson Dart put out better tape than Tyler Buckner. That's just keeping it a buck. And that's not Tyler Buckner's fault because he was used and put Different. in as a role player. He was treated he was as, a, as a side chick. He was a side chick all Absolutely. year. Absolutely. So now you want to date the side chick and then at the same time be interested in other girlfriends. But at the end of the day, bringing in Jackson Dart. You still don't know because I think that Tyler Buckner has equal or as good as talent as yeah. Jackson Dart. Yeah. So with the same opportunity, then <laughs> you're getting the, the same product. So either way, him and Keaton Slovis, it doesn't matter. Unless you bring it in a, a Caleb Williams. Uh, yeah, that's the only guy in the portal right now that I'm saying you got to bring in that. But we would know, like you said, if he walked on campus today, that's our guy. Yeah, it's like Kelly Bryant came in. He was a young, highly touted quarterback. When Kelly Bryant got to Clemson, 
It wasn't no quarterback competition, bro. Uh, of course, you keep bringing in talent to the quarterback room, but Deshaun Watson was the dude. Was the dude? Everybody knew it. When is Notre Dame gonna get to the point where they know who the dude is? I'm tired of all of this quarterback competition every offseason. It's lame. It's whack. It's whack. When are we going to get a dude? And if the opportunity is now to say Tyler Buckner is the dude for the next two years, then do it. I'm not running to the transfer portal trying to get competition. If you want to improve the talent in the quarterback room, that's one thing. But it's time for Notre Dame to step up and improve that quarterback room and have a do. Period. And if and if you think he can't survive because he's injury prone or whatever the case is, you think you need a good backup. Y'all love Drew Pine, you know. And I don't want to hear Ian Book because Ian Book was part of that back and forth thing with Brandon Winbush. That wasn't somebody that was just like, oh, he's the dude. No, he came out of that same back and forth crap that ruined Brandon Winbush. We got to get out of that, man. That irritate that irritates me, and that's why I have a problem when I hear that fresh ideas are being brought, new thoughts, and we're acting like offensively we've been good. We're straight. We're putting up forty points every year, producing first round talent every year on the offensive side of the ball. That's not where we at. We're like the Spurs. We just a bunch of good players. You know, we it's no it's no Kawhi, but we got a bunch of really good players though. We got a Patty Mills, you know what I mean? We got a DeJounte Murray, we got a you know, we got some real solid Kevin Johnsons, you know, we got some good players. But we don't have that marquee John Morant. You know, we looking for a job. Am I right? Are we looking for a job? We're looking for a job. Why is Memphis identity? Right? Because Memphis has decided, Memphis, wait a minute. Memphis decided with Marcus All still being sort of at his prime, we're moving on. This grit and grind, it's been cool, it's been successful, but it's not gonna get us to the mountaintop. We got to come with a fresh idea. We got to go with a young, energetic coach that is heavy on analytics and development because we're not going to get big-time stars here. They took a step back and got the number two pick and were blessed to get John Morant, had Jaron Jackson a year before, and got other guys late in the first round and second round and went heavy development, and now they're one of the best teams in the West. They got they changed their identity because they saw the other identity wasn't going to work. Guess what, Notre Dame? The other identity hasn't worked. It hasn't. It hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. It hasn't. You gotta change, man. You have to be open to fresh ideas. You have to. Because obviously, what you've been doing has not got the job done. And absolutely, you can talk about college football playoffs. We got everybody in this room today, everybody watching us today knows darn well we didn't get to where we want to be. If you're satisfied with getting to the college football playoff, I don't know what to tell you. We just talking one game better. That's the perspective. 
Two. One to two. Oh yeah, two, two. games. We you gotta win two it. Games you gotta win it. Just we're not talking about the whole season because Tyler Tyler can definitely manage the whole season, just like Jack did. We done printed out many quarterbacks that can get us through the season. We're just talking about two game difference. That's all I'm saying, man. And so when you hear me talk about Tyler Buckner, don't mistake me coming at Tyler. I'm really coming at the people that have the accountability and responsibility of developing him that have not proven that they can develop any quarterback. Where is the proof? I like the kid. I see the promise. But what makes me feel good about that promise being developed and ultimately manifesting itself? We're still talking. We're still calling Keaton Slovis, man. Keaton Slovis didn't say he said I talked to the coordinator. It was the coordinator that called Keaton Slovis. But you want me to believe that you really believe in Tyler Buckner, and you're calling Keaton Slovis first school in the middle of his reps. What are we talking about? So everybody out there that are being public defenders. But Tyler Buckner, I get it. We all want him to be great. But the dude that's supposed to develop him was calling Keaton Slovis. <laughs> but we're supposed to believe he fully believes in Tyler Buckner. Come on, man. What are we really talking about? What are we talking about? That's the biggest bombshell of the offseason to me. The fact that Keaton Slovis said, yeah, the coordinator called me. I talked to the coordinator. Yeah, I mean, he spilled the beans. He spilled yeah. the beans. Yeah, he spilled the beans. Super chat, Charlie Moore. Appreciate you, my guy. Your honesty is true. Your honesty and truth are welcome. Thank you, my man. We appreciate you. But I like Tommy, though. I think Tommy has the potential, but but the moves in oh. recruiting, the moves in recruiting is like, man, what are we doing? You hopping on the PJ. Where are you going? In and out? You went to California to go to In and Out? Because you didn't come back with no five star product. You came back with a burger. Man. Because I'm looking like, what? What is the point? You know, we get you a train ticket to get you a three star guy because it's wasting time. We're trying to get two games better. And if you wasting time calling guys that ain't making us two games better, then then your play calling better be spectacular because if we want to take the Georgia model, then we better start getting five-star everything. I mean, it's Georgia, okay, you can say, oh, we don't need a bunch of top NIO-type quarterbacks, Justin Field, whatever, whatever, but you're going to have to match 25 stars. That's the, one of the hardest things to do. <laughs> it's easier to get a quarterback. Man, like Marcus Freeman's a hell of a recruiter, but if he can pull off 25 stars, I want a statue right now. <laughs> yeah. I want a statue right now. That would be unprecedented. Yeah, so what's, what's easier? We talking something unprecedented for a young coach who we believe can recruit. I mean, he's been kicking ass, but 25 stars with no duffels going around? Not with no duffels going around. This is and this is why this is why it upset me so much when people were trying to label me as a hate dude. Nobody hates Tyler Buckner. 
we're just keeping it a buck. It's like, yo, what's going to change? What's going to change? Is he talented enough to overcome all of that? We hope so. Because what we've seen. But I need to see, but you know, we want to, I want to see more intangibles from that room. You know, I'm getting too many, you know, guys that I'm co-workers at the office with vibes. I'm not getting no, no, no dominant. Oh man, that's a bad brother in that room. You know, he just, he just carrying the swagger of the whole team. You know, we got a bunch of guys that are just, you know, what do you call them? Just, just Boy Scouts. You know, they just homies. You know, they just like the boys club and the treehouse. You just go up there, y'all kick everybody else out. Y'all talk about all type of stuff, but we need a we need a ringleader in there, you know what I mean? A guy that's I'm not saying he's gotta be Baker Mayfield, put the flag in in the middle of the field, but that's what it takes to be an Ohio State team. You know, that's the type of energy you need to have the confidence to take your team to beat an Ohio State in a situation like that. I mean, they still talk about that to this day because not many teams go in there doing that. So I'm not saying it's gotta be that, but we gotta see some character in my opinion, flourish more within that room. Lucky Lucky Podcast. It's a feel-good Friday. And we feel good about this Notre Dame team next season. We feel really good. It's just certain things that have been transpiring and going down in the offseason. It's like, no, this is not – I don't like where this is headed. I just don't. We, We need to be more creative. We need fresher ideas. We know we need recruiting to step up. We've seen it on the defensive side. I'm, I'm still waiting for that first offensive commit, yo. I'm still I'm still waiting for that first offensive commit. Where that? Yeah. Where That's, that? It's troubling. It's troubling because we are top. We don't see trouble. We don't see Alabama going through when I say a hard time. I'm about skill position. Yeah, we don't see Alabama going through a hard time trying to find a quarterback, trying to find a receiver. Ohio State doesn't have a hard time trying to find a quarterback, trying to find a receiver. It's like all the news you hear is that they up was they signed another one. Oh, they signed a transfer. Oh, one left. Oh, one coming in. You know, we getting the. Cricket, cricket, cricket. We chasing guys two, three years out. Yeah. Ain't commit, ain't said too much, ain't had a, you know, ain't had an open conversation. We get more news about calling people that are at rival schools than we getting in the recruiting space. Yeah. We ain't got a a quarter. We got Peyton Bowen doing more recruiting than a quarterback is recruiting, you know, through our class. You know what I mean? And Maybe they should be the lead recruiters. With everything they're doing, that 2023 class. Yeah, but it—I'm t- just saying it takes a—it just takes some more personality, you know. You gotta—we ain't got no offensive commits, and it, it almost feels like we're a Western Kentucky or something, you know. Yeah. What I mean? Well, Western Kentucky actually has a quarterback going into the Senior Bowl. Never mind. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm saying a team that with low production on offense we i don't know it's just hard to imagine us not getting big names like our big names are offensive linemen damn like you know what i mean like i love it but it's out of control (laughs) so 
I see some people in the chat continue to talk about and ask you questions about the O-line. Look, man, football is really about football is really about facing off after school at three o'clock. When everybody in the school knows it's a fight going down on the playground. <laughs> right? The first thing you can do is the worst thing you can do is not show up. That's the worst thing you can do is not show up, right? The second worst thing you can do is start the fight and then run away because it's not looking good. You don't, and the last thing is you don't want to lose, but hey, if you put forth some effort, stay in the fight, make sure they got you some respect. You get some respect. You get some respect and you take the L, right? So basically, you take Michigan against Georgia and you take Notre Dame against Oklahoma State. They both ran. That's what they did. They saw it wasn't good. It wasn't working, and they ran. And they gave up. I think Michigan just got beat up where everybody was like, damn, we feel kind of bad. Michigan started off that first quarter trying to run the ball, and that offensive line that was the Joe Moore offensive line of the year realized that they were going up against something totally different. Then the Big Ten defensive lines, and they just gave up, dog. They was just <laughs> like, you know what? Let's try to bring in J.J. McCaffrey. Let's try to bring in J.J. McCaffrey. Let's try to do some things. Nah. And, and that's what we're saying. See, if that good stuff don't work. Against you can't like run, why are you, and this is where I blame Tommy Reed, why are you running RPO action when it's really a P.O.? Why are you running RPO when it's really a PO? And by the time Oklahoma State realized, oh, they're running PO, there is no run. Because we can just crash down from the backside because Jack Cone ain't doing nothing. Oh, yeah, he definitely is. When you insert, you want to you want to start giving some different runs to get a run game opportunity? Insert Tyler Buckner. The guy with the with the with the worn hamstrings. Give your yeah, give your running backs and your O-line a little help. He there did it in the no Purdue game. game. He did it in the Purdue game. Come on, man. So all of that stuff talking about the O-line stop. There's ways you can generate. And I saw a short passing game. There's ways you can generate the run game. You've done it all year with Tyler Buck. All year. Do something to give them a different look. Something. And this is what I'm talking about. We come down hard on everybody on the defensive side of the ball and the coaching staff of that second half. The offense getting scored. <laughs> nothing. They gave you nothing to stop the run. Nothing. So, dude, we too authentic of a podcast. We're not letting that dude skate. We're not letting that dude skate. You have used Tyler Buckner all year to generate a run game when you couldn't do it with the offensive line all year. Even even BK noticed it. He said we put Tyler in for a change of pace. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, like, oh, we couldn't do anything. Come on, man. Come on, man. There was definitely some things. There were definitely some things that you could have done. Definitely some things you could have done. 
that you didn't pull out. But I'm supposed to trust that you're going to properly develop our quarterback. And yes, we've been, we will say it again. There should not be a quarterback competition. Shouldn't be. Tyler Buckner needs to be the dude. You know why? Because Notre Dame, from a brand standpoint and perception standpoint, needs a dude in the quarterback room. They need that. They we need it. We need that. We don't need the quarterbacks in the 2023 class sitting there wondering, am I gonna have to battle with Drew Pine too? If Dante Moore commits, Dante Moore should immediately be the number two quarterback. Immediately. Not, man, am I gonna have to show myself better than Drew Pine? I'll yeah, let's let, yeah, let's take some let's take some scout team reps with you on a couple of days out the week because we gotta rotate through five guys taking one reps. I mean, it's like, come on, come on. What are we doing, man? We gotta we have to. We said we got to change the use about a week ago, right? It just can, no longer cannot just be we're O line you and we're happy about that. We're running back you and we're happy about that. We got to change that. We need some more use. I need to be quarterback you, defensive back you, wide receiver you. I need all of that. Because if the brand is big, let's keep it real. How many Alabama – who do you think is better in the NFL, bro? Alabama offensive line and a Notre Dame offensive line? Us. Okay. My point is, if you're winning games, winning championships, the brand is going to get your offensive line in the first two rounds. Off rip. Notre, Alabama offensive linemen get drafted high, and they end up struggling in the NFL. They look like beasts at Alabama when they only have to block for a second and a half and it's a swing pass to Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle that goes 70 yards for a touchdown. Man, that offensive line looks great. Notre Dame, we got to block for three seconds to make sure Jack Cone can go through his reads. No, yeah, you're blocking. Yeah, them boys is blocking. But them boys been blocking all season. I don't. I don't think we can look at it and be like, "Yeah, he took a huge decline." No, I mean the decline was from a Hall of Fame, no sacks allowed all season. That's what we were putting up. We had Zach Martin senior year, no sacks giving up. Ronnie senior junior year, no sacks giving up. Quentin Nelson, Mac McGlinchey side, no sacks. I mean, we ridiculous. So yeah, we gonna <laughs> giving up, going from not giving up anything from players to. Dude. You know, come on, we gotta get realistic. <laughs> yeah, if we, we had a hall, I mean, we we got guys getting jackets on that offense. This right here, come on, what are we talking about, man? Tyler didn't play in 2020. You know who else didn't play in 2020? Caleb Williams. We stopped that. Stop. <laughs> Caleb Williams did not play high school football in 2020. Stop that. Come on, man. We didn't want to push him too hard. Come on, man. This big time college football, man. We got Fresno State. We, we yeah, dude. We're not this. Come on, stop. Stop. Deshaun's freshman year. Dabo was throwing him in the middle of roll games against Jameis Winston in Florida State, my dude. Yeah. Why? Yeah. You need to get ready. You need to experience this. Because we're not about to, we're not winning the championship this year. 
This moment, throwing you in the fire right now, this moment is for two years down the road when we face in Alabama. That's all. And that's the type of development Tyler Buckner needed this year. Yeah. He needed to face the fire on them again. Toledo for sure. Put him in the fire. He should have been closing out Toledo. He, you know, whatever. Put him in the fire. Let him rock. It's Notre Dame. You're going to win nine, ten games regardless. Let him rock. Now we have to question because he's never been put in the fire. So now we got to go through another season of him getting experience being put in moments. Once again, development. It's like, yo, let's just be real about what we've seen. Be real about what we've seen. And we all hope, once again, it was this podcast that said, start Tyler Buckner from the jump. Start him. Play him. We said Drew Pine was cool as the number two, did we not? Why are we going to get Jack Cone? Why? Start Tyler. Let Drew Pine be his backup. And coach. And coach. Right. Yeah, Stop, being lazy. Coach. Stop being lazy. Coach. Coach. Do your job. If y'all coach Tyler is starting this year, I'll go into Ohio State being like, we don't need no quarterback. We got it. It's like, man, that's all we're asking for, man. Can we get a dude? Can we get a dude? Can we just get a dude? Just one dude. One. Ian Book is not good enough, man. If I have to point to Ian Book saying, oh, that's the dude we have, it's not good enough. We got to do better. And there's nothing wrong you need with to make it to New York. You but when I, I hear, mean? like I said, when I see that as the track record, the lack of development, the lack of recruiting, and then I hear rumblings and rumors of being resistant to ideas. Come on, man. Come on. That ain't right. What are we doing? What, that ain't right. What are we doing? What are we doing? Lucky Lefty Podcast. Feel Good Friday. For the Culture Friday. Vote now. On the YouTube channel, YouTube page, Battle of the Bangers, DMX, get at me, dog. Tupac ambition as a rider, both bangers. Let us know, Scott. I'm I'm really not fired up. I'm not fired up. I just want I just really want to emphasize the breadcrumbs that have been there. So everybody that's so excited about the quarterback room. The OC immediately called the cast off from USC. Immediately. The guy knowing that he couldn't play for a coach that is coaching Heisman quarterbacks, that he left. 
the coach that's bringing in the superstar quarterbacks didn't think the guy was a superstar, so he was in the transfer portal. That don't mean we get him. He wasn't a superstar to begin with. And Thomas Kim, we thank you. That's why I love to show no homers. Now, to keep it a buck, we bo- both of us are homers. We are. I'll be the first to tell you there's nothing stronger than the brotherhood. I'm, I'm close to it now because of my relationship with this dude. There's nothing stronger than the brotherhood at Notre Dame in that football program. Nothing. Nothing is real. It has to be real, and it's had to be real for them to win in spite of the culture. That's why the brotherhood is so strong, because it's truly us against them. And the them wasn't the team that they were facing. The them was in the building. That's facts. The them was in the goo, in the building. So I salute every player that's ever shared blood, sweat, and tears for this university. Because now I have empathy towards what you've gone through over the last 10 years. What you had to deal with. The black cloud that existed. It's crazy. So I'm ecstatic for this new day. And with this new day, we need to embrace new vision, new ideas, fresh ideas. Things have to change, man. Things have to change. And we have to be willing as the fan base to say, you know what? That's not good enough. And keep it real. Just look at it and say, you know what? That's not good enough. That second half in the Fiesta Bowl, nah, that's not good enough. I hear what you're saying, J.D. Bertrand. That's not good enough. Make the play. I hear what you're saying, Coach, about C. Lou. That's not good enough. Make the play. It's time out for explanations. It's time out for saying why we didn't get this, talking about admissions, talking about this three-star, this four-star development. It's time to just see the plays. It's time to see it. This is Notre Dame football, man. This is Notre Dame football. It's time to see it. I don't want to be doing this podcast two years from now still talking about recruiting and development. Give me some more content. I don't want to be talking about that. If we're talking about that, it's not good. Not good. <laughs> it's not good. Not good. No, I'm not going to turn my hat around today. I did a lot of adjusting last night. <laughs> Tom Belort said, where's my red hat? I purposely didn't wear my red hat today. Uh, let's see. EK, I don't even know what this means. Malik needs to get a new Robin. Um, I don't know. Robin Hood? Yeah, probably, because Robin Hood been robbing me. Mm-mm. I don't know what that means. Somebody else said we're being negative. Like, if, if that's what, see, once again, that's the problem. That's the problem. See, when you hear truth and you take it in as negative, that's part of the problem. That everything about your team has to be feel good. Oh. Oh. 
you know, I think it's just, it's just, it's one of those things to where if we can correct the biggest elephant in the room, because I'm tired of talking about the same thing. Let our issues be like, dang, we need to get a new punt returner because we didn't, you know, guys off the street to do punt return. That should be something new we talk about. We don't need to be talking about quarterback competitions that hinder us each game, each season, going into each first game not knowing. I mean, I even went through that, and I just felt like it always puts a stain on the season because when you're not on the same page because you're not calling the same things, you know, guys' production around you start to be affected, and it just changes the 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 knowingness of what's gonna happen next. When you uncertain as an offense week to week because you don't know your trigger man, it's it's just gonna be interesting to see how you can even continue having success because you know Coach Freeman's gonna hold us down defensively and in the recruiting, but you can't keep going one or two games and losing each time because something's gonna have to change. And I think there's going to be a a serious conversation if it's not addressed, especially after Ohio State game, depending on how the quarterback situation goes down the hall with Marcus Freeman because he's looking at it like you got the keys since the beginning. It's been nine months getting ready, and we can't put that out there. You know what I mean? So what is it going to take? We, I'm recruiting the receivers. We're trying to get the right guys, but that has to be productive in that room. So, Oh, uh, EK said he was talking about Batman and Robin. Still don't get it. Because then he went on to say Malik needs a dude. I, I thought Malik was the dude on this podcast. Last I checked, I look, up, I look above me. That's you, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the comment. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean, if he's just, you know, if he's too sensitive to accept the truth, I know my resume and my skill set. I know my background. So I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I would never be Robin. Robin. Robin was whack. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't. You're right. If you're trying to call me a Robin, I'm, I'm never a Robin. Robin was the weakest core, the weakest backup man in the history of superheroes, dude. Sorry. That dude was always tied up and needed saving. I'd never need saving. Now, it's like Optimus Prime was always tied up or lost in space or something, and he came back at the end. That's going to be like in Transformers. <laughs> Bumblebee is the real character of Transformers. Man, people are just mad because we're stating facts. That's all. They want to. You know, they want the other podcast that's connected to the brand that's basically going to read the stories they print and call that a podcast. We don't do that. Yeah, you're right. No, we don't do that. Other podcasts won't tell you the truth. Won't tell you about the identity that's need to ch- that needs to change. Won't tell you that. They won't hold people to the fire. They won't do that. Shout out to our boys at IB Nation, Vince and Brian, for leading the way. Period. 
this dude talking about you need another Robin. That's disrespectful to you, dog. I don't even. I don't even. <laughs> that's, that's mad disrespectful to you. Why would you even want a Robin? You should make that another shirt. Just because Batman and Robin. Who needs another Robin? We need another. We need a Batman, Superman, and that quarterback. Yeah, I'm not a DC dude. I'm more of a, a Marvel dude. Now that okay, so Marvel's the Avengers, right? Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 ever put me in DC. I'm far more gifted than that. Where we at? I don't know, man. We were like a minute, hour 12 in. And actually, I'm, you know, our boy uh, M, uh, NW is trying to uh, be petty. We got to talk. We got to we got to talk about um, what we got coming, though. We got to mention that we got some special things down the pipeline real soon. It's great for Lucky Lefty Nation because we're giving you some of what we feel like is a is a help you know a help a, a a free promotion a free nil start to recruiting for the school hold up dude hold y'all know my rule on the lucky lefty podcast right and you know what i'm not gonna do what i don't play with what happened what happened hey bro i don't know you and you can go you can go unsubscribe right now if you want to go down this road but you ever put the word shucking and jiving next to me you don't know me like that bro i don't play those games and if this is the way you want to come we don't need you supporting this channel you can get out right now you can unlike dislike hit that button and unsubscribe don't you ever speak to me in that nature talking about i'm shucking and jiving I'm the same today that I've always been, whether it's LL Nation or IB Nation. So whoever you are, EK, you're corny. Let me be cool. You mad corny, dude. Corny. That's crazy, EK. Corny. I don't do that. You know, not with me. I'm not that dude. You act up in public, I'm going to get you in public if that's the way you want to be. I'm not that dude. That's crazy. So you can step on. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. If that's what you bring into the table, you can unsubscribe today. I don't ever have to see you on the podcast ever again. Ever. I'm glad you tapped. Bounce. Peace. That's not what we're not about that in here, dude. We don't do that. We don't do that. That's crazy, fam. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Shucking and jiving. And you the wrong person looking at your picture to accuse anybody of shucking and jiving. That's mad, man. Let me hold up and be cool. LL Nation, I love y'all, man. But we're not going to do that to each other. We're not doing that. Crazy. And he said he's tapping. Cool. Deuces. Appreciate you. Uh, let's see. 
was a yeah, you know, that was a low key way for him to get off what he wanted to get off. Trying to accuse me of <laughs> he's like, come on, man. Uh let's see. Yeah, Andre, what do you have about this, bro? Any guesses on the new D line coach? Who do I like? I like Larry Johnson. <laughs> but um, <laughs> go after somebody else at Ohio State. Man, I think it's interesting because if we were like Nick Saban, we'd just call up our old coach that used to be with us or, you know, just recycle some of our old coaches. But, you know, it's interesting. Marcus Freeman got to make friends on a head coaching level to get to attract certain coaches to come. I think going young. Right. It's a good way to start uh, just so he can probably just develop a, a young staff around him. Maybe he can build his own, start building his own tree. I think uh, Tyler Stockton would be a great addition. I think a Notre Dame alum, I think he's very qualified. He's been kicking butt at Ball State. He's been kicking butt everywhere he's been at. And I think he gets where things are going. I think he'll fit great with Marcus Freeman, what he's trying to do. And, you know, Tyler Stockton is a former teammate of mine. He's a great guy to be around. Right. That's also a great coach. You know, I think he's been coaching long enough to where he can relate but be more on a, a coaching standpoint uh, to, to, to really get guys on the level they need to develop that they can look towards. It's not just, a, oh, you my homie because you used to play, you young, you know, you look like we can go out and get a drink together but he's also a real strong coach as well where, you know, guys respect him for that. And he's Notre Dame alumni. I think that's a slant down pick. But D-line coach who I would, who I would want him. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of good options out there. Obviously, if we're building the archetype of a D-line coach, I want a guy that's going to get our guys to be aggressive. Thinking of the SEC, just be disruptive in the interior, make plays, chase the ball. Um uh, that's the mentality that I would want from our D-line coach. I think we have uh, passed the point. We're not past the point, but we have graduated from just being a technically sound D-line. You know, we know how to do all the gaps and stunts and moves. Let's let's just blow up a double team. <laughs> you know, just make a play. Like, we saw some stuff in Alabama and Georgia where guys were just using talent on that D-line. Jordan Davis just making plays sideline to sideline, being big. Facts. That's just you can't teach some of that, but that's kind of what I would want from our D line coach to kind of harness. It's funny, you know how cats still talk after you smack them around, and they still over there gossiping. It's funny. Yeah. That's what we're seeing in the chat right now. Cats talking, you yeah, know, yeah. talk themselves up. I'm at the top of my profession. Okay, you don't know me. Nothing about me. Crazy. They said Brian Young too. I like Brian Young. Brian Young would be fantastic. I don't know. Do you think he would very do well. That? He's doing very well in business, and he loves being out on the West Coast. I'm not sure what it would take to get him back at Notre Dame. When I say he's loving it out there, he's loving. It. He's doing very well in business, very well. That that four for forty is working for him. 
Very well. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely in a position where I don't think he wants to be stressed out on game days, you know. If we had an analyst position, he can kind of just coast and, and add his input. That would be nice too. Yeah. Lucky lefty. I think he'll be a great he'll be a great uh, role model for a guy like Fowski. If he's coming back to learn some stuff from, he can yeah, you know, one on one stuff. So yeah. So did you actually were you gonna make the announcement? Look, we have some top notch interviews coming up next week that we're gonna be releasing probably on Wednesday show and Thursday show. That'll probably be the release dates for both of those. Interviews that I promise you, interviews that you're going to love. Not going to miss. No, you don't want to miss these interviews. This is big time. Also, I think, I know our guy Cam McDaniel was going to join us next week as well. I miss Cam, man. Shout out Cam McDaniel. Get him on the podcast. Cam. He's going to join us. Killer Cam. The most famous Notre Dame picture. Killer Cam's picture. He had to, he was over the pile with his helmet off with the straight face. Right. Shout out Cam McDaniel, man. All right. I think that's it, bro. I don't think we have any more. uh, I didn't see any more super chats. You know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction each and every day. Now, you know, I don't know if you saw this today, but it was trending early on Twitter. Pettiest way to break up. Now, I, I thought this was funny. The pettiest way to break up. I'll start because the pettiest way I've ever broken up with somebody, I didn't even know I was breaking up with. So this is like a double petty. Yeah, man, this is a goal back to high school. You said you didn't even know? I didn't even know I was breaking up with somebody. <laughs> That's how petty it was. So basically, my, one of my boys hits me, right? And he was doing a favor for my girlfriend at the time because she wanted to know if I was going to be going to the homecoming dance. So he called me with her on three-way. And uh, he was like, yo, you going to the homecoming dance? And I'm like, man, I'm not sure. And I didn't know she was on the line listening. And so he was like, who are you going with? And I'm like, man, you know. And I mentioned this freshman, right? But you know, you talking to your boy. Yeah, yeah, I just kicked him. to my boy. I'm like, yo, real talk. It's this freshman named Miyako. She's bad, bro. Like, she's bad. 
And we just have a general conversation. Man, the whole time my girl is on the line. Yeah, you're right? dude, definitely did you dirty, man. I get to school the next day and she walks up to my locker and she's like, man, can we talk? I'm like, yeah. She's like, man, I just don't think I don't I think I don't think it's gonna work out. And I was like, cool. <laughs> like, no, I didn't ask her why. I was just like, all right. Like that. And I found out like months later, like what really transpired. And I'm like, yo, I probably wanted to break up with you the entire time. I just didn't know how. But your boy helped you and he, he, he helped you and hurt you at the same time. Right, right. So that was like my pettiest breakup of all time. <laughs> like, that definitely was like my pettiest, my pettiest way to, to break up. Oh, I do DBZ. So, so, that was dirty of you, bro. <laughs> yeah. He, he definitely had to. He definitely had to. He probably did. He didn't even end up with it. That's the crazy thing. We're still Use cool to this day, though. Using the views. Me and her were still cool to this day. She married one of my other boys that went to our high school. See, she tried to get you back somehow. Come That's on. why y'all cool. She said, we even, Steven. Right. That's what she... <laughs> <laughs> so what's the petty? You have a petty breakup, bro? Oh, man. I've been a good dude, man, actually. i just been uh, chilling, man. Oh, no petty, no petty on the breakup, but it, you know, petty on the on the food, man. You know, I've always had petty stories with food where uh, I don't let anybody get my last Skittle. That's just my thing, man. I I got a bag of Skittles. You can have all the Skittles in the world. If I get some last two, three Skittles, yeah, man, it's it's worse than it's worse than stealing the the man charger. Still in the man headphones or something. It's it's, it's that beat. It's that serious. <laughs> can't take a man last couple skittles, man. Don't even ask for him though. That's the thing. You can't even. Don't even look over and be like, hmm, how many you got left? Don't even. None of that. So you've never had like. I also had like an over the phone, real quick. Say what you gotta say. Hang up. Break up. <laughs> like don't give the other person the opportunity to respond. Like you just hit them like ah. And then just oh, you, oh, you, you, oh, you doing like see, see, you know, Mr. Telephone Man, you was good with that. Yeah, it was college. That was college. <laughs> you know, long distance relationship. You hear something, something is not right. Call like in the middle of the night, wake them up out of their sleep, hit them with the bing bang, and then like hang up. And we, we done. We good. Transaction, transaction closed, man. <laughs> the busy said having your family member break up for you. That's that's pretty petty. That's pretty petty. Yeah. Not if you're young, but if you're older, that's petty. That's mad petty. Uh let's see. <laughs> Your boy, my boy, MWG sent me to it's the one that smoke blunt with you. See your picture. Now they want to grab the Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man. So that's it, man. Today we really we really want to talk about everything that's going on and get the fan base to like just relax. Everything's gonna be okay. Marcus Freeman, in our opinion, kind of anticipated these things, which is why he began to insulate himself with people he could trust. And now, 
you know, you trust him to make the decisions, the Chancey Stuckey uh, situation. Learning what we learned from the message board over at Irish Breakdown uh, was a situation where he was the top guy. You know, Marcus Freeman loved him. By all the um, reports, Chancey Stuckey came in and killed the interview. Just straight up killed it. Straight killed the interview. And once other things came into play uh, with Jamarcus Shepard, yo, Washington called, he went. Mike Elson is gone. We appreciate him. But we're going to get better, though. We, get we better. appreciate him. We absolutely appreciate him. Facts. But it's time to move on, man. It's time to establish a new culture and time to get closer to that national championship. That's what we're all about. We're excited about that. So we'll see you guys next week on Monday. Are we doing a show Monday? Yep. Okay. So we'll still observe the holiday, but still come back and give you great content right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, share, hit that like button. Subscribe, share, hit that like button. Oh, man, you know what, Ty B? Text breakups are petty. They are. That is, yeah, that's that might be the worst way to break up with somebody over text, bro. I've never done that. Because you got to be cold-blooded. Yeah, I've never done that. I've never done that. Or to just disappear. Break up. When you just straight ghost cats and block them on social media and stuff like that, block their phone number, that's that's mad petty too. Damn. All right, y'all boys. Till next time. Oh, here's a question. Eric Ward, you answer that one, bro. Uh, I don't think we'll. I think we're a nine-win team, guaranteed. We just want that one or two game difference to be a screen popper difference through the quarterback room, through receiver room, or maybe you know somewhere on defense, but. We don't think it's a four or five loss season because we just think right now we're more talented than 80% of the schedule. So we'll see how it goes. This one here, dude. Said my wife broke up with me twice the first time she asked me to sit down but didn't want to talk. So I said, just get it, get it over with. <laughs> and my boy McCain. <laughs> dude, those are words that none of us want to hear. We need yeah. to talk. When you hear we need to talk. You might as well say, just keep it to yourself. I'm yeah. out. To that previous question, I'll say this. The proof is in the pudding. Over the last 10 years, suspect coaching, bad culture has existed, and Notre Dame players have found a way to get you 10 wins and get you two college football playoffs. I expect nothing different under a better culture. I expect nothing different. Nothing different. Yeah. So, all right, for my boy Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik, I'm Sean Davis, SD2 Mikes. We'll talk to you guys Monday. Spin it different today. Peace.